After a loss to a Super Bowl contender with a backup quarterback, there are plenty of things to raise eyebrows at. The true question is, is the sky really falling? What's up, Jets fans? Welcome to another edition of Jet Nation Radio. We are your hosts, Dylan Terriman and Glenn Naughton. No Chris Schubert tonight. He's attending to other work issues, so just the two of us. Um, kind of a, a rough one to come off of, Glenn. I know you weren't here with us last week to preview the Cowboys game, but we had uh, Jesse Holly, former wide receiver, thanks to you. Uh, he came on the show and he broke down the game with us, and um, we were right. He was right. Uh, the final score, we all predicted right in favor of the Cowboys, but um, what's, your, what's your thoughts come right out of this game? Um, I mean, disaster in so many ways, you know. I mean, you kind of, um, you know, you as you said, it's, it's one game and that's kind of, you know, I'm, I've been pretty bipolar on this team since this loss, like one minute, I'm like, it's one game, relax. And then the next minute I'm like, this is a, you know, goddamn disaster. How does this happen? And I keep kind of flip-flopping back and forth. And, and, you know, after hearing the coaches speak today, um, you know, specifically Nathaniel Hackett, I'm, 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 I'm kind of stuck in a, what the hell is going on mood? Um, because look, yeah, yeah, it's one game, but it's not, you know, it's not his first day on the job. Like he he should going into this game, you know, if 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 dopey bloggers like me can say before the game, damn, you better load up on tight ends and run the ball because this team, you know, Brees Hall is your best player and uh this team can get after the quarterback, so let's run it. Um and he, you know, he gives Brees Hall the ball four times and then, you know, his excuse is we didn't run enough plays. Well, well, you ran almost 50. You know, it's not like, you know, you didn't run six plays. And that's why Brees Hall only got four carries. You ran, you know, Samini tweeted they ran 49. PFF showed their starting lineman as having 47 snaps each. So whatever it was, say it was 47. You ran 47 plays. And that's the excuse you're giving as to why your best running back only had four carries. Um, and just a lot of dumb stuff. So pretty frustrating. And, and again, to... uh it's not like it's his debut. He's been a coordinator before and he's supposed to be a bright guy. And, you know, it's, I think that, I think that's what Gase used to do a lot. That was a big Adam Gase move. Oh, things weren't going the way we hoped. Well, dude, you call the plays, you decide which ones get run. You can't be like, well, we didn't throw the ball to me call Hardman because we only had so many plays. And of those, of those 20 some pass attempts, Three of them couldn't beat a Meikle Hardman. There couldn't be an end around to Meikle Hardman. Like, it's a weird thing. Like, you're in charge, and you're like, oh, like, talking about it like you have no control over it. And that that gave me, like, like you know, uh, disgusting Adam Gase flashbacks. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was tough watching the game, I'll say that, from an offensive perspective. And nobody's going to sit up here. I think both of us, when the hire was made or even floated out there, we both said, hey, Hackett's not our choice of guy, although if it does lead to Rodgers, we can understand the path of why they would choose Nathaniel Hackett. Obviously, you get Rodgers, you don't have Rodgers after four plays, and now Nathaniel Hackett is stuck coaching another quarterback with the last name Wilson and trying to make him look good. And and it, it kind of happened a little bit for 45 minutes, but it was not because of the game plan. The game plan was the thing that really pissed me off in this game. Um, Too much 11. When uh, you look at last last week against Buffalo, which a great game plan on the fly when your backup quarterback gets thrust out there, you say, hey, 
we're going to do the smart thing and take wide receivers off. And we're going to put tight ends on the field because this is going to play to the strength of not only Zach Wilson and our offense, but it's going to play to the strength of the bills. So they, they do that. They go out in 12, 13 and they win. Now flip to this week, they go 75% 11 personnel and five plays in 12 and less than that in all the other categories of personnel packages you could use. So that's not good for the tight end perspective. I understand. Uh, I, I listened to the post game or the, the press conference he did today, and I, I heard we corrected it. We watched the tape. We're going to, you know, do better, blah, blah, blah. But it is kind of, we all sat here and said, just run 12, 13 personnel again this week. Just do the same thing, copy and paste that you did against Buffalo, and you'll have a chance to beat Dallas. Nobody sat up here and said that, that, that well, normal thinking people like you and I weren't saying the Jets were going to beat Dallas unless a lot of key things happened. And a lot of that was putting Rucker on the field, Uzama, Conklin, all of those guys on the field, helping your, your tackles with uh, Micah Parsons. And it just didn't happen. So I'm definitely it's frustrated. It's not a correction that should have to be made. Like, no, you got it, it wrong. Be, yes, exactly. You got it wrong from the get-go. And I, I understand he said they, they underestimated his speed, even when they're running quick game offense, and, and I'm not going to say that that's an egregious error because it's already, it doesn't need to be stated. That's an egregious error to underestimate anybody of Micah Parsons caliber. But when you're trying to run quick game with a quarterback that throws the ball in over three seconds time to snap in Zach Wilson, it's not going to work. Quick game is not a very good part of his game. When he can get to the back of his five-step drop and make a good pass, that is the type of game he needs. So I don't know, just the whole game plan really pissed me off. I had a stat um, about the running backs and the running back usage in 12 and 13 personnel. So in scenarios when you would assume the Jets are running shorter yard situations, maybe a second and five, a third and one, whatever, they go 12 or 13 personnel, more tight ends. 32 snaps. 22 went to Dalvin Cook. 10 went to Brees Hall. And this is the two-game sample size. That is just not using your guys right. And I understand Dalvin Cook could be a good back out of 12 or 13 personnel if you just, you know, do a wide zone and let him cut. But they're running a lot of gap stuff with uh, Dalvin Cook, according to PFF as well. So that's not really playing to his strengths either. And I feel like if you could just get Brees Hall in those short yard situations, I had a lot of people on Twitter yelling at me about pitch count and this and that. And I said, it's not about Cook getting more snaps in these personnel packages. It's just the fact that it's gross. 22 to 10 should be more like, 17 to 15 it should be much more 50 50 because that's what Brees does better run behind these big guys find the open lane and go Dalvin Cook doesn't really do that so that was definitely <clears throat> the biggest area of concern for me offensively um yeah and uh, how many times I mean it, it wasn't a ton but you you couldn't block anyone on the rare occasions you had help and then you start going empty backfield you start going five wide and and I'm like what what are you doing? You're, you're doing the opposite. And listen, I say, you know, I, I try to make a point of saying, I I don't pretend to be an NFL head coach or an NFL coordinator. Yes, and I say all the time, these guys know a million times more about football than I do. But things like get the ball to your best players, like do I have to be an NFL head coach to say that, to know that, to know that Brees Hall is infinitely better than Dalvin Cook, who's at 2.3 yards a carry right now? But but here we are, another like the it's like these guys, they just gotta you know overthink it and like oh you know smartest guy in the room well everyone's thinking we'll do this so we'll do that, well yeah they're thinking they they're thinking you'll do that because it would make sense like, 
And I, I listen, it's only two games. I don't know how much I don't know if this is all we're gonna get from Dalvin Cook, two and a half yards of carry, but I didn't, you know, I didn't love the signing, and that's when I thought he was gonna be better than this. Like I thought he would definitely be, you know, serviceable. I thought a, I thought a really good option is a number two back. Um, now you're using him as your number one, and he's averaging averaging less than two and a half a carry for what nine million dollars, seven million dollars. It's yeah. I mean, I still have a little bit of hope for Dalvin Cook only because you have to see him behind an offensive line that's more functional than than what we currently have. If they go out against the Patriots, which is a better opponent matchup wise than the Cowboys is for this offensive line, and they look a little bit better and they can, you know, just get those couple holes. I just want to see Dalvin Cook hit the hole and go. And I feel like he hasn't even had the opportunity to do it because as soon as he's handed the ball, it's either a stretch play where somebody's getting blown up like Uzama on the first play of the game um, or just right up the gut and he's tackled as soon as the ball hands is right in, in his gut. So it just, it doesn't matter like the situation that he's put in. He just hasn't been able to get the, what he does best on the field. Um, I did want to mention, Oh yeah. The blockers. So you mentioned it um, keeping just five guys on the field, just your five offensive linemen. So according to my offensive play charting 50 plays, that's two pre-snap penalties. And then the, obviously the, the fake punt we threw in there. Um, 14 plays they had six or more blockers so that's 28 percent of your plays against a guy like michael parsons and a d-line like the cowboys i just i don't understand it maybe they had just too much trust in Dwayne brown and makai becton and it wasn't really makai becton it was more everybody else even avt got you know got his connor mcgovern that video i know is going viral of parsons doing that and if if people would just follow the league in general uh, Miles Garrett did that two weeks ago in, in week one. He did, it, I believe against yep. the Cincinnati Bengals, except he was simulating like a crossover in basketball. Yep. So he was much more disrespectful with it and he got the sack. All right. Micah did all that and embarrassed Connor just got a pressure. I understand, but like it's, this happens in the NFL. These are game wreckers. They're going to wreck the game. The jets just did nothing to combat it. So I don't know. I, I felt like there wasn't, enough good answers for me in the press conference, but I also can give them a little bit of leeway because I have questions about this defense too. And we'll get into that uh, in, in a second, but was there anything left from this offense that you wanted to touch on, even if it was like Zach Wilson and, and start some, some debates in the chat? No, I mean, it just, like I said, the, the lack of carries for, for Brees, mm-hmm. the lack of extra blockers on the line, and yet, Zach, look, Zach was okay. You know, as I said, you know, post-game, it, it's with Zach, the the sort of the detractors are are just kind of moving the goalposts now because all mm-hmm. we've been saying for all this time is, you know, got a dominant run game. We have a dominant defense. Just just manage the game, Zach. That's all we're asking, and, and we can win. Well, he managed the game, and you were down 30 to 10. And then he just had to start chucking it up there. And, uh, you know, we threw the three late picks that, and I, you know, I said earlier in the week, if people want to make a big deal about that, go right ahead. But I think Robert Sala hit the nail on the head there. The game was over. He's trying to make a play. One of them was the miscommunication with Michael Carter. Um, so really only one of those throws was really bad. That was to me anyway, the one to Garrett, which uh, if he doesn't get so much air under it, that's a touchdown. But um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's trying to do too much late in the game down by 20 because nothing else is going right. And if if they don't run the ball 25, well, I mean, with the weather, they might have to run the ball 40 times this week. Yeah, um, they, that the weather may force them to play to their strength. So that wouldn't be a bad thing. Um, 
but yeah, the, the, that would be my my main my main issue is not getting the ball to your best players, and uh, and and the lack of you know not using the extra blockers on the O line that we said before the game would be a key. Yeah, if Mother Nature on Sunday you know puts a wrench in the Jets' offensive game plan, but it ends up being a run heavy you know, 12, 13 personnel game plan. I'd be super happy with that. Um, The one thing I did want to bring up as I pop up the personnel usage on the screen here for the YouTube viewers, um, the wide receiver bullet right there, uh, the snap distribution for two wide receivers, both your slot guys, Randall Cobb, 23 reps. He only got one target on 18 carry uh, on 18 routes and me, Cole Hardman, who got one target in complete garbage time, for six yards on 13 routes run. So Miko Hardman versus Randall Cobb. I'm ready to throw in the towel on Randall Cobb. He was an Aaron Aaron Rodgers guy, excuse me. And I just don't see the threat of Randall Cobb making a difference when you have a guy, excuse me, like Miko Hardman who can make a defense play a little bit more honest and trust that, you know, the deep ball could happen. So I feel like this is an obvious one, but is, is Miko Hardman due to get 23 snaps instead of 14? Well, you know, I, I wonder if Miko Hardman would be that guy. Like, do they view him as a slot guy or a boundary guy when he is on the field if they pull Cobb? Because to me, you, you know, I'm glad you brought up Cobb because I mentioned this a couple days ago that there are, you know, everyone was fine with Aaron Rodgers picking and choosing who was on this roster after you went and got him. But now you've got a bunch of guys who, without Aaron Rodgers, aren't very good. Um, you know, when you're when you're arguably the most accurate passer in NFL history, you can have a guy like Randall Cobb or a guy like Alan Lazard and guys that don't create a ton of separation because you don't need a ton of separation to deliver the football. Um, you know, you've got, uh, I mean, it, it could be the same situation with Hackett. You know, you could. This could be a guy who Rogers carried and became good friends with, so wanted him. You know, on this staff. Uh, you know, obviously he came here first, but as you said, that was kind of part of the ploy to get Rogers here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, Cobb. Listen, I, he's not scaring anyone. Let's face it. If if Aaron Rodgers wasn't a Jet right now, Randall Cobb wouldn't be in the NFL. Yeah. You know, he's he's he had four hundred yards last year. Um, he's he's pretty up there in years and i would rather see someone like xavier gibson i mean thank thank goodness at least you know that was one of my fears when they added cobb as training camp was rolling along and i remember thinking if they cut this electric young kid to accommodate randall cobb to make Mm -hmm. aaron Rodgers happy like you're really doing stuff that's detrimental to the team um so it's it's going to be interesting because if these guys aren't playing well you know billy turner's another one like he's aaron's buddy but look at his numbers. Like he, he gives up a lot of hits and a lot of pressures, um, you know, when he's playing tackle. So he's another one, like not a very good player, but a very good friend of Aaron's. Well, Aaron's not here, but he's still on the roster. And is, is he going to get pissed off if you bench Randall Cobb or, you know, or if Randall Cobb isn't getting the reps he feels he deserves? So are the Jets still going to walk this, you know, keep Aaron happy tightrope while he's not even with the club? It's um, not a great position to be in. Yeah, obviously, when you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers who can elevate the the play of everybody on the offense around him, it's easier to justify a guy like Randall Cobb making the 53 over Xavier Gibson like I did all August. And, you know, just basically wrote it, you know, wrote it off like they're going to 
do this again with another UDFA and they're going to let him go. And Randall Cobb's going to be, you know, okay with Aaron, but now you don't have Aaron and the margin for error has become so much slimmer that with Zach Wilson, that these guys aren't making a difference. And I'm not saying Miko Hardman is all world or can, you know, do things that nobody else can do at the wide receiver position, but you don't know until you try. And sometimes you just got to put speed out there and see what can happen. Um, I feel like because the fact that he was running with the twos a lot in camp, because Randall was with the ones with Rogers, he could have chemistry with Zach. Uh, I don't know necessarily, but when you have Cobb having two targets uh, and like 56 snaps played over two games and Miko Hardman comes in in complete garbage time and he's already getting targets on 13 routes run, I feel like, you know, Zach could look to him easy, easier in like a quick flat pass because he's going to get there faster. So just it's little tiny things that you just sit there and observe that that really just frustrate you. And and I don't want to harp too much on it because it's two games, but the game plan on both sides was just really bad. Um, with that, we could flip over to the defense. And the first thing I have to say, Michael Clemens had 41 snaps in this game on defense. Michael Clemens does not play 41 snaps on this defense. I don't know why they decided that this was the game to do it because they Dak and everybody had the perfect counter, the quick game, the quick passing in the flats, in the swing. They, they, they made it look silly. Obviously our front four was still getting home, but it's not, if you just kept your front four the same way and you didn't pressure, I feel like maybe Michael Clemens was the reason you're pressuring with more because you're lacking up front with your front four. Just drop your seven in coverage and play the four that you normally do and just let them get home. I just I feel like even on defense they overthought this whole thing. So, what were your thoughts on defense? Well, I think Dallas did what you know what we talked about during the off season, and and I said many times that you know every time I brought up and say what's my number one concern about this Jets team, even you know calling them a Super Bowl contender, and my number one concern was teams dinking and dunking and and shredding this defense underneath because that was probably the the area where the Jets were most vulnerable. So. It, a team like that, when Dallas does that, when they have these quick drops and quick throws, you neutralize the pass rush. And like, like look at Quinn and Williams, you know, he had a monster game. He was phenomenal, but he didn't really get a lot of opportunities to get to the quarterback because the ball was out so quickly. So, I mean, Dallas did a nice job, especially early on Dallas running the ball up the middle. They were doubling both the jets tackles and, and moving the pile, doing a really good job. Um, but later on in the game, you know, Quinn picked it up and started making some plays, but this, this D line, it's one of those things. It doesn't matter who you have in there. If the ball's coming out that quickly, guys aren't going to get to the quarterback. And that's, you know, we'll get into it in a bit, but that is what worries me most about this game this week. And until the Jets find an answer, it's what is going to worry me. You know, I hope I saw Jamie and Sherwood had a really high snap count. Figured maybe they thought maybe, you know, an athletic guy, as we know, converted safety. Maybe he'd do a good job underneath. Didn't really seem like he made much of a difference. And and it, it's it's back to a point where I was hoping we wouldn't see the Jets again, but it was one of those things where when I watched the game, especially when I rewatched it all 22 and stuff like that, it's back to you watch the game and you feel like you feel like the Jets have, or you feel like Dallas has an extra defender on the field because the Jets, when the Jets offensive players are getting the ball, they have nowhere to go and they're just surrounded by defenders. And then when Dallas has the ball, you feel like the Jets are playing with nine on defense because every time someone catches the ball, there's just space all around them. And you just think, how, how is this happening again? Like every year, 
for the past however many years, every time I watch this team, you feel like the the, the defense has extra guys for the other team, and you feel like the Jets' offense is, is a couple guys short. It it just it and it just never changes. Yeah, this game particularly frustrated me because every time the Jets sent a pressure, and the Jets, I said this on Buffalo's podcast on Monday, Buffalo Jet fan, and I, um. They, when they do a pressure look, they don't hide anything. They just come at you. If they're going to bring a guy down to blitz, like you know the guy's going to blitz. So they just send the guy. And Dak knows that he's going to be hot off his left or right side, and he's going to put a route or have a route already built in. Mike McCarthy just coached circles around our defensive coaches, all every single one of them. So And, and that's not like you know Mike McCarthy is not some crazy great head coach. He's a very good head coach, but he's not like – anything that you should have to fear that badly. And he just ran circles around him. So every time they sent the pressure, it was an easy ball out right there. And that goes back to my saying, just rush home with your four. You have seven now in coverage. You don't feel like you're depleted and you can just stop them. As soon as they make the tackle, just bend, don't break. That leads me to my next point, seven missed tackles. You can't have that. And two were on Eccles. So you can slightly excuse that because it's a backup role, but still you can't have seven missed tackles and expect to beat a team that's dinking and dunking under 10 yards. I put out Dak's spray chart um, from Next Gen Stats on Twitter, and he had 25 of his 38 passes behind 10 yards or behind the line of scrimmage even. Flip over to Mac Jones week one against the Eagles. He had 54 pass attempts. Like 30 of them were within 10 yards. So Mm -hmm. that's the recipe. And if the Jets can't figure it out, it's going to get bad. And I don't. Everyone's going to do it. Yeah, and that's putting a lot more stress on guys like Quincy Williams, Michael Carter II, C.J. Mosley, potentially Jamie Sherwood if they're going to be in a 4-3 base when they do it. So all these guys that we had questions about coming into the summer, all the other than Michael Carter, obviously our linebackers and our safeties, you know, Tony Adams is hurt. All these guys come into question when they have to do that type of stuff to beat the Jets' defense. Now, now what, what do you – sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 you're fine. Ask your question because it's kind uh, of – I was going to say defensively, what do you think about the unwillingness, like the stubbornness to say we're sticking with the scheme even though this team only has one receiver who can beat us and he's got 3,000 yards today, we're not going to put sauce on him because that's not what we do. Like how about saying, oh, what we do isn't working. So what else can we do? Oh, what we've got sauce Gardner. The, you know, the all-pro defensive rookie. How about we put him on the only guy they have who's catching the football? No, you know what? We'll let C.J. Mosley cover him. We'll let uh, Eccles cover him. We'll let, And he's just, he's just toasting you up and down the field. And um, I know Salah was asked about it, and he's been asked in the past, and and they always say we don't do that. You know, not to, not to get too far ahead, but I'm looking at the schedule and thinking, you're playing the Chiefs in a few weeks. Like, their receivers are not good. Sauce Gardner should be on Kelsey all day long and neutralize the one threat they have. But are they going to say, no, we don't do that. And we're going to have C.J. Mosley and and, Quinn, and Quincy Williams and, you know, and uh, Jordan or, uh, or you know, Tony Adams or, or Whitehead or, or whoever versus saying, you know what? This team has one weapon and we have one elite corner. Let's let him take him out of the game and then go from there. Um, I don't like the stubbornness. I, if, you're, if that's your scheme and it's working, fine. But when it's not, isn't that time to say, what can we do to make it work? Yeah, I mean, I think there's certain situations where you can sprinkle it in 
like maybe on like third down when the team likes to go man they are a very zone heavy team and i understand what Saul was saying and Ulbrich was saying to a degree i don't really agree with how Ulbrich necessarily said it but i just read the quote i didn't hear him say it so context is kind of lost there but it basically they're not going to change i don't think they're going to change for the most part but in situations like that with kelsey if you have a third and seven yeah, I don't see why you can't sprinkle it in every now and then. I don't that's think that's not they need what we to, do. That, right, that's not I don't. What we think, do. I don't we think don't they need to do it, do it all, all the time. No yeah, I don't think they. <laughs> I don't think no they need sprinkles. to do it all the time. But then you look at the defense, and I looked at the Cincy game, and I compare this to the Cincy game, except they beat us passing over the middle and a little bit deeper down the field. We kind of came together after that moment and the defense that we got the, the famous, we have four new faces in the secondary comment. That's not the case this year. We have one new face, Tony Adams, but I, I feel that type of energy is coming from the defense where it's that, that pivotal where all right, we're putting our foot in the ground. We're not letting up shit for the rest of the year and we have to see it. Obviously that's just my mentality about it. I have to see it first, but everything that I, I don't know, just kind of the history repeating itself early in the season. We were one and two at that point. Now we're one and one coming off a tough loss. And like we got the shit kicked out of us by by Cincinnati that that game. And everybody was down on this defense and everybody was ready to throw it out on on Ulbrick. And I don't know. I'm not ready to do that either. Somebody told me on Twitter that this defense is cooked. I don't I think you just need to sit this one out to be completely honest, but I don't know. I feel a little bit more confident in the defense recovering way more than everything we said about the offense. And I think that it'll start if you can just do a couple little tweaks here and there, like sauce following a guy on at least a third down, like Travis Kelsey, that's definitely going to be a big one. Yeah. And I think the the track record that you look at what Ulbrich and Sala did last year, you know, they did a really nice job here. Um, Whereas Hackett's track record is kind of, is kind of spotty. It's in terms Mm -hmm. of, like, yeah, great job when he was with Rodgers, but, you know, that's Aaron Rodgers. He had the one good year with Blake Bortles. But other than that, a lot of not very impressive work. So it's – um, I get that, you know, they, we can say it's week two. It's it's just the, the decision-making was just that bad that I'm like – like, on the one hand, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and say it's just one game. Mm-hmm. But it was so negligent. It was so poor. You know what I mean? Like – like if if you go for a drive with someone and they're like, dude, it was one bad drive, and you're like, yeah, you ran every red light and drove us off a cliff. Like it was only one drive, but it was that like it was horrendous, and you did everything wrong, and yeah. that's kind of what they did. So it's like, on the one hand, benefit of the doubt, but on the other hand, what the hell were you doing? And um, like, is does Jeremy Ruckert get a target this year? Like, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Ruckert isn't good, but I thought coming out of Ohio State, the guy had incredible hands. Some mm-hmm. of the catches he made were off the charts, ridiculous. And with this team, he can't get a target. It's, you know, it's, but again, they only ran 47 plays. So there weren't enough plays to throw, throw a ball to Jeremy Rucker. And, and I, I tweeted this mid game because I, I had to go back on the commercial and make sure that my eyes weren't deceiving me. Nathaniel Hackett ran five wide from 13 personnel. He had, I think it was cook far left Conklin uh, Lizard. And then he had Rucker and Uzoma. And I was like, dude, what the hell is this formation? And like, I get it. Like I've, I've been reading Bobby Peters uh, complete guide to the Packers 2020. Cause it's got a lot of Hackett and Rogers stuff in there. And, and they do a lot of that, that weird stuff with the flexing out of the running backs and the, the tight ends. But when you have Zach Wilson back there, your game plan has to change and you have to use your guys 
for their strengths. And Jeremy Ruckert was our best run blocker by far week one. You got to just copy and paste, copy and paste that game. He was a monster. Yeah. And and I agree. That's that other than Randall Cobb, that's the one that's really getting to me. And I was okay on Uzoma coming in. I said probably mid season, you know, Ruckert would take over as tight end two. Some wanted to say tight end one. And you know what? He's shown flashes that if he can just, catch the ball when he's targeted. If we, we ever see that opportunity, like you said, maybe he could be tight end one in this offense, but he looks like tight end two through two games. And that's not even a question. I, I understand Uzoma's leadership role in this team as a veteran, you know, he's the rah-rah guy and, you know, he had good relations with Rogers and that was probably a chemistry thing building for, for that era of Jets football that we didn't get to see. And I think that that's been a hard adjustment for everybody on this team to, just mold back into 2022 in, in the time machine. It's, it's kind of weird. They, they built the time machine at Forum Park. They went back to 2022 and we're just right back here with Zach Wilson. So it's, it's going to be an adjustment and this is the week to do it. We're going to yeah, flip right I, there. I'm, I'm starting to get, I'm starting like with Robert Sala, I'm starting to get these vibes. Like, you know how there are some coaches who like it, it takes the end of the world for them to bench a veteran. Like, yeah, that's Dwayne Brown. Any, yeah. That's Dwayne I, Brown I, right I, now. I think, and and possibly to some degree, Uzama, right? But I, I yeah. think we're going to see guys who... Yeah. Some well, coaches... he made the comment on Ruckert. So that makes me happy that they saw that and Ruckert, and they he was asked and he said, I want to get Ruckert more on the field. So that at least makes me happy. Yeah, Wayne Brown, I don't know. That doesn't, like, they signed Cedric Abouye. He's probably not going to play, but I tweeted no. it out. He's going to be the starter against Kansas City if he's healthy, Dwayne Brown. They're not going to... They're not going to do it yet. This guy's going to have to be cooked beyond cooked before they put him out to pasture. And I raised my hand. I was wrong on Dwayne Brown. Absolutely. Through two games, I said he was going to be our second best offensive lineman. That was before Makai Becton, you know, became a starter. And it hasn't looked that way. He might be our sixth best offensive lineman. Somebody that hasn't played could be better. I just had him as a huge question mark, like a guy who could be anywhere from slightly above average to slightly below um, but, but my, you know, my biggest question with him was at his age, like guys, when they get up to that age, they, they can drop like in a hurry, yeah. go from, you know, being effective to completely useless. And that's kind of how he looked, but you know, right now, Robert Sala will be able to say a few things. Um, Dwayne's coming back off an injury. Dwayne didn't have a training camp. Dwayne didn't get to play in the preseason. Dwayne's he's getting the rust off. Dwayne's a little older. So I think he's going to make every excuse in the book for him. And I think Dwayne's going to get four or five weeks of, you know, if he doesn't get better, I think they'll give him four or five weeks of really bad play before they'll look elsewhere. Um, but re- I mean, if, if Billy Hunter is the alternative, I mean, wh- why make Billy a Turner? change? Like, oh yeah, is it Billy Turner? Sorry. I mean, if Billy Turner, I'm, you know, I'm thinking of Wayne Hunter, um, you know, easily confused. Right. Oh, but, um, if, if if you're going to go with that guy, I mean, uh, my hope is that Carter Warren comes off VR at some point and, you know, and impresses enough to to take the job if they're going to switch out. Um, if they're going to make a switch at left tackle, I, I don't get, you know, leaving Becton at right tackle. Like, he's a proven guy who can play on the left side. They just, they do a lot of things where you kind of get the impression they're not really that bothered. Like, win, lose, ah, eh, you know, we're just going to want to make sure everybody has fun. Um you know, we're not necessarily going to put the best players in the best spots because, you know, someone's feelings might get hurt. So this is this is kind of where we are. And, yeah, Twisted, you're a little pissed off, and we're uh, right there with you. 
Yeah, I think it's it's reasonable to be to be mad. I think it it I guess it depends on what you're mad at. Because if you went into the Dallas game and you said that the Jets were still a Super Bowl contending team, they just beat Buffalo. If that was your mindset, then yeah, unfortunately, you're going to be really pissed off. But if you came in with the mindset of Zach is still Zach with maybe a couple steps improvement, and this is hopefully a playoff team with Zach Wilson, then, you know, you were able to get over it a little bit faster. And that's kind of where I was at Um, with offensive line though. I I just, I feel like when you start making the changes, you can't stop making the changes because say they do just for one game, want to move Makai Becton to left tackle. And we'll just say Tipman right guard and ABT right tackle. And then Dwayne Brown comes back and he's healthy and they obviously want to play him. Are they going to move him back to left tackle and then Makai back to right tackle? So I'm not saying that I agree with it. I also am just saying that it's not as easy as like switching the position and making it work. These guys really just need time on task together. And if you're going to make a change, I'd rather it just be a well-calculated change and not just we have an injury. Let's just shuffle, shuffle and, and do some teams. It works well for the Green Bay Packers can kind of, you know, versatile offensive linemen. They can do that. The Jets don't well, really have the, thing. the Jets have versatile linemen. Interior, you know, yeah. A- they have ABT yeah. can play both guard spots, both See, tackle spots. Yeah, I would White make ABT the left guard. tackle. I would McGovern make ABT can play center and guard. Yeah. I would make ABT the left tackle if they were going to make a change to substitute Brown out and they want to keep Becton at right tackle. I would just put ABT at left tackle and have Tipman taken at right guard. That's what I would do personally. And then because AVT is pretty good and good enough to switch back week to week, like we saw last year, you don't want to do it, but that's the guy you want to do it with. I don't think Becton is the guy you want to flip flop back and forth week to week. So that's just kind of my stance um, up on the screen. Yeah, here. I would, cause he's done it and he did in the preseason. He played both right. spots in the preseason. They flipped him all the time at Louisville. So he, he's actually done that exact thing. So I mean, if if we if we want to if the if the goal is to limit the number of guys you have to move, you could say, you know, even though neither tackle is great in terms of the depth guys, um, you know, Turner or Mitchell, I would rather they be at right tackle than left, and um and have mm-hmm. Beckton on the left side. But you know, we, we'll see. I I think Salah is just going to give all these veterans, you know, as many snaps for as long as he can justify having them on the field. That's what he's going to do. Yeah, and I think. To a degree, you kind of have to play your veterans until, you know, some like to do it till all hope is lost. Obviously, Jets fans want to pull the plug after one bad game. But what's the alternative? You put in a Billy Turner or a Max Mitchell and they're ass and they prove to you that they're a backup for a reason. So it's just it's it's opening a can of worms that I think Dallas is not the team we need to start breaking everything down because of. They're an elite front. They did a lot of bad things. Our coaching shit the bed. So a lot of bad things happened in that one. And that's why we called it burn the tape. Because after this, we hope we never have to talk about that game again. Because things are going to swing in the up. And we're going to end this losing streak against the New England Patriots. If you're watching on YouTube, I have the injury report. Today's injury report up on the screen. Um, You will see Dwayne Brown with a shoulder and a hip injury. The hip is new. The shoulder is the one that he had repaired from last season. Uh, he was a do, do not participate. Tony Adams with his hamstring was a do not participate. Those are the two biggest ones in question for this Sunday's game. And then you have six players on the limited list. 
Obviously, Brees Hall, Makai Becton, they're kind of going through their rehab process. Salah said it's going to be a normal thing for them. Greg Zerloin back up on the limited with a groin. John Franklin Myers, who did not practice yesterday, was limited today. So that's a positive sign that he's on track for the game. Michael Carter II had a limited uh, participation with an elbow that he suffered in the game. He should be okay. They said he could have went back in the game, but they held him out. And then Quincy Williams, who many feared to have a pretty serious injury, ended up not having as serious as they thought. Uh, two limited participations this week. He should be up for this game. Flip it over to the to the Patriots. I'm not going to read through everybody, but the ones that did not participate this week, two defensive or no, one defensive lineman, Devon Godshaw, their special teams returner, Marcus Jones with a shoulder and offensive lineman, Sidey Sal with a concussion. So looks like they might be without their special teams guy, uh, might be without a defensive lineman as well. They have a couple guys, um, Michael Owenu, Trent Brown on the limited list. And I think that if this offensive line can't go for the New England Patriots, this is no excuses. Absolutely no excuses. So we flip it over to the tail of the tape as we've done the past two weeks. Uh, last week we had Jesse to kind of poke holes in the boat. This week we don't have a opposite team contributor to poke holes in the boat. So Glenn and I are just going to run free and kind of poo-poo all over the Patriots and hope that the Jets show good and uh, actually beat this team for once in seven years. And we're going to start at the at the top. Quarterback position, Chris and I said it last week, we thought we could plug and play the Jets as the, the leading p- person in this category, or at least a push. Not the case. Not even against McCorkle. It's not going to happen. Zach, jo- oh, Zach Wilson is not better, so the Patriots get that. Uh, any Any arguments there, Glenn? No, none whatsoever. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna move right along. We've talked about Zach enough. I feel um, running back flips back over to the Jets' fortune, and this is with the caveat that they just need to be used properly. If the Jets' running backs get used properly, there's no reason they can't be better than Ramondre Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott. We, I, I like Ramondre Stevenson. I wasn't a fan of signing Zeke Elliott when that rumor came about, but I'm kind of a, a slight fan of this backfield. Um, Maybe they are old and, and kind of washed. I'm not sure, but I, I like Ramondre. What are your thoughts on the backs? And, and is this kind of a, a blow away for the Jets? Yeah, I think uh, I think Stevenson's a really good player. Uh, runs hard, runs with power. And I think the Jets have the edge because really, I, I think Zeke is, you know, he doesn't have much left. I think the uh, the depth and the combination for the Jets, I, I think I think Hall, Cook, Carter is the, is the better group. But again, that... <laughs> If Brees Hall gets four more carries this week, then the Patriots get the edge. You know, there's there's way you can you can have a group that's more talented, but if the coach, if the coaching staff doesn't play them, then obviously that's going to switch things up. Yeah, and, and as you see, as we th- go out the t- throughout the tail of the tape, certain categories are going to be more heavily weighted in this matchup. Like obviously the top one there, quarterback. It's not good to have a quarterback disadvantage despite having three out of five offensive advantages. So you'll get, you'll see it even last week, there were some, some slides in there that you knew were going to be the difference. And coaching was the one where we were, it's, it's gotta be the Cowboys. And we didn't think it was going to be that bad because we just figured, you know, it was going to be close throughout. You could possibly make a couple deck turnovers and no. So it really, it really depends on where you get your, your influence here because running back and wide receiver, as we'll get into don't really mean much if your quarterback can't hit them. So 
Jets, I think this is a runaway. The Patriots do not have a good wide receiver group at all. Kendrick Bourne is kind of the top guy. Devontae Parker and Juju Smith-Schuster, who I believe has been slightly banged up throughout the preseason and early season uh, parts of this year. So not really, you know, enthused by that group. And you look over to the left, other than Garrett Wilson, I'm not enthused either. I don't really, I mean, Alan Lazard has surprised me. Yeah, from a perspective of getting open and actually catching the ball, his catch rate is pretty, you know, poor for his career. And then Randall Cobb doesn't inspire me like we've talked about. So hopefully next week we can swap out Cobb's name with Hardman and, and move forward with a, a slightly more improved wide receiver unit. Uh, this one, tight end, we talked about in the pre-show. Um, we had to give it to the Patriots. I think the tight ends for the Jets could be better and, probably should be better if they had a competent quarterback again, but I still think Hunter Henry and Mike Gesicki give you a a bigger one-two punch than what the Jets have. So what are your thoughts on the tight ends? Yeah, I think the tight ends, the Patriots tight ends are going to have the ability to give the Jets fits, especially Gesicki, you know, guys eight feet tall, super athletic. Um, The Jets are going to have a hard time covering him. And I think, but again, I think the Jets, if, if their tight ends were deployed, you know, if they were, if they were made a part of the offense, I would I would imagine you'd you'd it'd be a much closer call, and I might even give the Jets the edge, um, especially if you went Conklin, Ruckert, Uzama in terms of the depth chart. But um, as it currently stands, with Uzama being tight end two and the Jets not really utilizing the tight end, you got to give the uh, the Patriots the edge. And Gasecki's a guy when he was coming out of college. It's funny that he landed with the Patriots after the Dolphins because. And I think I even tweeted at the time something like, I know he's not going to the Jets, but as long as he doesn't come to the AFC East, I'll be happy. And uh, all he's got to do now is play for the Bills and he'll yep. the whole division. Um, he, he he hasn't been as good as I thought he would be. But again, I wonder if that's a, a product of offensive scheme because that guy just, his physical tools are off the charts and he's clearly a, a decent football player. It's not like he's a guy, sometimes you draft an athlete who's just not a football player. Mm-hmm. Um, but Gusecki's proven he can, he can make plays and catch the ball. I, he'd have a ton more targets if that guy was on my team. Yeah, I think the Dolphins didn't really use him properly from a scheme standpoint with Mike McDaniel. So uh, kind of got phased out there. Now he's with New England, who they had Johnny Smith prior. They had him and uh, Hunter Henry. So now they just plug in Mike Gusecki. Um, Yeah, I think uh, if he's the matchup because he is so tall. Like, do you put... Michael Carter the second on him. That's very tough. Brandon Eccles is your your backup slot. If Carter can't go, he's also pretty small. Jordan Whitehead is pretty small. So like you have small guys to go up against big slots, and I think that's the one area of, of weakness from a, a sneaky matchup perspective. Um, last one on offense here, offensive line. Despite everything we talked about and how bad it was against Dallas. I think it's better than the Patriots. They have Vidarian Lowe and Calvin uh, Anderson as their bookend tackles for this game. And like I said, there are no excuses. If you can't get home on Mac Jones and not get a, I mean, JFM's roughing the passer was clearly legal and they said it was. So if that happens again, there's not really much you can do, but you need to affect Mac Jones. If he's throwing the ball 30 plus times in this game, you need to affect Mac Jones and this offensive line that I think you can do. The interior is pretty good with strange David Andrews and Michael and if they all play, but those ends you got to get, get off the end with, with Bryce Huff, Jermaine Johnson, not Michael Clemens for 41 snaps. 
you got to have your speed guys out there. So despite all the doom and gloom for the offensive line, what are your thoughts putting the Jets up above the Patriots? Yeah, I'd, I'd put the Jets above the Patriots, but I think the excuse we're going to have this week is that, you know, similar to Dallas, it's going to be quick drops, quick throws. Guys are going to have a hard time getting home. And again, as we said earlier, you know, they're saying this uh, typhoon or whatever is heading up to the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Somebody posted, it might have been the Jet Nation account, as a matter of fact, um, Mac Jones' box score from the last time he played a game with 50-mile-an-hour wins. Do you remember that game? Yeah, against the Buffalo Bills, yeah. Two for three. He threw yep. three passes. And they won the game. And they won the game. So don't be surprised if, if you have those types of conditions. Um, don't be surprised if Buffalo runs it 80, 85% of the time. It's, it's absolutely And the insane. Jets should be doing the same, but you knows? would think. Yeah, you would think. I don't want to hear any excuses about why you can't throw the ball in the wind. Looking at you, Zach Wilson. Jeez, flipping don't, over, don't. <laughs> Flipping over to the defensive side. Uh, still, you'll see more green than you'll see blue. Uh, starting with the defensive line, I don't think, like we said last week, Chris and I, you can't get much better than the Jets. Last week, I think the Cowboys proved they were better than the Jets in a lot of uh, facets on the front line, on the front four. Um, but the Jets got this one. I mean, Matt Judon is a great player. I love Josh Uche. Uh, Dietrich Wise is another good uh, big end. And then Keon White from Georgia Tech, the rookie. I'm a big fan of those, but... I don't know. Even if you don't dress one of the six that I, I've listed because McDonald didn't play last week, I still think you got to go Jets. Yeah, um, I'm I'm taking the Jets over that group. Although I I do like Judon Uche quite a bit. Um, White is a guy who I don't I I'm not sure how much he's even played so far, but um liked what I saw from him when he was in college. The Jets group, um, you know, Will McDonald does he dress? We'll see. I mean, it, basically. It's, it's as if the Jets are taking the uh, the old saying of you can never have too many edge rushers. And they're like, um, actually, you can because we have too many. So they can't all play, which is um, not ideal. Not ideal um, when you're sitting your first round pick because you have too many guys that play that position um, and you have other needs on the field. Um, by the way, for anyone who's wondering, Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, number two in the NFL in separation per route. Um, just throwing that out there. Yeah, it takes us back to the conversations we had in March and April that you have to have, even in the Super Bowl winning window, you still have to draft players that could be impact immediate players for you, not necessarily starters, but impactful players. And it didn't seem like the Jets grabbed a bunch of those this draft. Not saying I mean, Will McDonald. Literally, that was my number one criticism, right? And yeah. I think I know Chris said it. I think you may have mentioned it. Yeah, we all they did. Dra- yeah. They drafted like they'd already won the Super Bowl and they were just grabbing depth for future years. To keep a to start a dynasty, and they yep. were like a bunch of dudes, and you're like, how much are these guys gonna play? And now, who Tipman was the only active rookie last week. Well, draft pick who was active. Yeah, and everybody yeah. else is either on the practice squad or inactive. Yep, and, and you know, usually that's okay. Like if you have you know a, a veteran laden team, the Air Rogers led team. We're not gonna harp on this all season, I promise. But one week out and it's a terrible week, you're gonna have to look back on it. But when you had all those things in place, it's justified to a degree. You still need players that are gonna play. And I think uh we wanna see Will McDonald in pads more than we wanna see him in street clothes, even if that means moving on from a potential Carl Lawson who was on a milk carton in Dallas last week, two tackles on 23 snaps, but didn't really do anything of, yeah, of substance. He was invisible. Jermaine Johnson, though, we need to talk about. Uh, he had, I think, 59 snaps, which is 68 or 69%, just around 70%. Dude is a 
boss. Like he is making plays he, down the field. Legit, man. Tackles and or linebackers and safeties are missing tackles, and Jermaine Johnson is running eight yep. yards down the field to make a few plays. It's absolutely insane. And and you know, people that old box score hunt will say, Oh, his pass rush win rate isn't great, and I'm just studying the analytics and, and he doesn't look good. He looks damn good on film if you're he watching does. the all twenty-two of that defense. So that's somebody that needs to get his his flowers because through two games he has been just I want I'll use the coach's word strain and effort every single play from Jermaine Johnson. Uh moving on to the interior, Quinnen, Quinton, uh Al Woods, Solomon Thomas. Solomon Thomas got the only sack last week. Um going up against this defensive line that could be without Devon Godshaw. He's been out with the the personal injury or personal related matters. And Christian Barmore, who was on the injury report. And then they have Lawrence Guy Sr. as their third guy. Um, it's got to be the Jets. Quinnen Williams is the difference maker here. You're not going to really, you know, find many teams that are going to compete with what Quinnen is in a one-to-one. So then you add in the depth of Jefferson Woods and Thomas. I feel like it's better than most people have. So the Jets, I feel like that was an easy interior win. What about you? Yeah, I agree. And, you know, as we've said, they're going to they're gonna win most weeks. Um, all you know, Again, last week I felt like they they did get beat up, especially early on. the The interior we were getting doubled and pushed back consistently by Dallas, um, even though they were you know playing with their third their third guard once Chuma Adoga went down, mm-hmm. which is kind of embarrassing. But listen, Beatish is a nice player. Um, of course, Martin is is what he is, and you know they have some studs out there. But you really thought that they the Jets would be able to do some damage playing the, th- the second and third string guard, which didn't happen. But I would still take this group over, you know, most groups in the NFL. Yeah, if uh, the Jets could game plan for Micah Parsons like the Cowboys did for Quinn and Williams, I feel like that game could have looked completely different. Um, but then, like you said, Quinn still got home six tackles, 57 snaps. He's averaging 70.4% of the snaps through two games. So keep that number in the 70s, please, Jeff Ulbrich, because Quinn and Williams needs to be out there. Uh, linebacker position, despite how much I love C.J. Mosley, the injury to Quincy Williams, <clears throat> and the still unknown of Jamie and Sherwood through half a game in a little bit of relief duty for Quincy and a little bit of just 4-3 base play from the Jets. Uh, I have to go Patriots. I like Juwan Bentley here. I like, excuse me, Juwan Tavai coming over from Detroit. I think he's just one of those face-in-the-fan type of players that you mm-hmm. always talk about with college guys. Like, he's not going to give a shit who has the ball. He's just going to run into you. He I thought care. he looked really good against Miami last week. Yep. Yep. And then Marte Mapu, Sacramento state, the safety linebacker hybrid that we liked and yep. talked about profusely in the, uh, in the draft process. We like him as the third linebacker. So I think it's, it's not even, it's kind of close because of Mosley, but I just, I don't think it's that close when you really break it down. What are your thoughts on linebacker? Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, I think new England's got a strong group and that's, you know, Obviously, Bill Belichick with his with his reputation as a defensive guy, um, he's put together a really good group there. Mapu was one of those dudes that, you know, similar to the the Gusecki thing. Like, I looked at him and thought, I don't want him landing in the AFC East. And yep. listen, as a small school guy, he's one of those guys it's hard to find game film on. Um, but and he was a guy, honestly, I hadn't heard anything about until very late in the draft process. Mm-hmm. And I heard a couple of draft shows within a span of three days, like two or three different draft shows mentioned him and Emory Hunt mentioned him. So I went and dug up and found what I could. And I was like, this dude isn't all over the place. You know, that that chess piece, right? The, the defensive coaches love to have 
um and he lands into win. i think that was one of the few picks like when new england made that pick i tweeted out like oh damn it like this guy he might be a problem for a while so um yeah that's a that's a good group they play hard and and, and a versatile group as well yeah you know that uh, as soon as that pick came down that bill belichick will eventually have this guy making tons of plays and mm-hmm. and we'll get to him soon but kyle duggar is kind of that same mold as soon as they drafted him i was like damn it he's gonna wreak havoc in this division and and when mapu came over from the collegiate bowl to the senior bowl everybody was raving about him for what he did in the first bowl game and then he comes over into the practice week of senior bowl and he just kind of picks up where he left off and He's already making, you know, highlight plays in practice. So definitely a guy to keep an eye on, even if he is in a rotational role. Uh, Secondary here, uh, Jets get the cornerback edge. They're going to get the cornerback edge more often than not. Sauce, Reed, Carter, you can call it a bad game. Sauce let up 44 yards and Reed let up like 50. So like if you call that a bad game, that's fine. They didn't lose us the game. They're still CB1s um michael carter the second got hurt and you know he might not i think he's gonna play i'm optimistic based off everything that we've been hearing that he'll play so i'm i'm expecting a bounce back especially against new england's wide receivers that we talked about earlier flip it over to the patriots they're still not a bad unit miles bryant uh i'll talk about him first because he's playing pretty well in this scheme uh sean wade the ohio state uh, slot i don't think they play a lot of slot he didn't have a ton of reps based on pff's uh system so I think he's kind of a just when they need to use him type of player, they go more safety heavy. But Christian Gonzalez, the Oregon corner, the rookie, kind of a special cat. He had a nice interception against uh, Tua down the field. It was like, you know, a jump ball with Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill, he's little. So, you know, Christian Gonzalez is going to win that battle. But he's been a very good rookie so far for them. Um, uh, your thoughts on Gonzalez in that group? And obviously, you know, the Jets have the nod. Yeah, Gonzalez. Yeah, the- you go with the jets here, but um, that is a good, you know, they have some good young players there. Gonzalez only a couple games in and um, trying to think who I was listening to today. I forget somebody, you know, they were commenting on how well he played against Miami. I saw a few people tweet about it, kept an eye on him when I watched, when I went and watched that game earlier today. Um, and, you know, I heard someone comment today that he could be as good through his first couple games as sauce was. And this is a guy that, but I mean, what do you go? Eighth? I think the, the new England got him. Um, 17th. Oh, was it that late? Because they traded back with uh, from thirteen with uh, the Patriots or whoever had the Packers pick, right. and then they jumped us for fourteen. They originally just, had fourteen, and they moved back. Yeah, I just I just remember when New England got him. Everybody was saying, you know, this is ridiculous. This guy yeah. is a top five talent. Yeah. Um, I I forgot they got him that late because of course they made that deal with Pittsburgh, but mm-hmm. they got a steal. They got a really good player late, and uh, he's looked like he's legit through his first couple games. But um, yeah. as a group, I, w- I would take the Jets. Like you said, they give up some, the secondary gave up some yards last week, but I don't know how many people went and, and, and looked at the numbers. But, you know, C.D. Lamb, over half of his yards came against, you know, C.J. Mosley and, uh, and, and Eccles. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he was beating the corners up all day. Yeah, we had uh, Jesse on last week, and he said that we should – put the Cowboys for the cornerback room. Chris and I said it was the Jets. And we we acknowledge we like Trayvon Diggs, who mm-hmm. just tore his ACL in practice. Yeah. It's really shitty and unfortunate for him and and the projections for the season for that team. And uh, then you have Stephon Gilmore, who I feel like three or four separate occasions, people have written him off and said that, you know, he's probably cooked. And he comes back and he still does really well. And I we gave the edge to the Jets and, and throughout the game, Garrett Wilson was cooking these guys. He just wasn't getting yeah. the ball. 
So I, know. I, I stand he on, was open on so often. I stand on the Jets were better than the Cowboys corners, even though, like you said, the game plan wasn't to attack the corners. And we heard that in the NFL films clips that went viral. Uh, you could do everything as soon as uh, the CD Lamb Dak Prescott exchange. That r- really wasn't about our corners. That was about the interior guys, the safeties, mm-hmm. the slot guys, the, the linebackers playing against him. Uh, he he got DJ Reed on a slant and go one time, and it was a great play. But DJ was still there. Sauce he didn't let up a catch on him. So yeah, I, I think it's still the Jets moving forward. Um, and then last uh, but not least for defense, um, Jets aren't going to get this one. Tony Adams is hurt. Jordan Whitehead, Adrian Amos came in and played decent. Um, yeah, I think he had one missed tackle, which was kind of egregious. And then you flip over to the Patriots, and, and a guy I talked about just a couple minutes ago, Kyle Duggar, just such a good player from Lenore Ryan. Who would have thought a guy from Lenore Ryan would, would be such a good player, but leave it to Bill Belichick to make him good. Jabril Peppers kind of bounced around from Cleveland to New England, found a role. And then Jalen Mills is their third guy based on snap shares um, on PFF system. So I had him in the, in the fold. I got to go Patriots. I just got it. I love Kyle Duggar too much. I like Jordan Whitehead and the resurgence he's had. He had two phenomenal games, even though, you know, he didn't get any interceptions. People think he didn't do well last week. He did very well last week. He had a really good game. Yeah. Kyle Duggar, though, I think uh, gives the, this the push for the Patriots. Yeah, I, I, I feel comfortable with that. Especially, you know, Tony Adams struggled a little bit and he's got the hamstring. Um, if if this, you know, there's there's a chance if he's if he's not feeling better, it's going to be Jordan Whitehead and uh, Ashton Davis. And Adrian Amos, which only makes it that much stronger for New England. Uh, Jabril Pepper, it seems like Bill Belichick, right? He just grabs these safeties that are struggling for other teams and he turns them into quality players. I remember uh, uh, Chung, um, the safety who they, they got from Philly when Phil, I think Philly just yeah. released him a few years back. And uh, I lived near Philly at the time and he was every day at sports radio getting killed. When are we going to get rid of him? When are we going to get rid of him? And then he goes to New England, and like that Monday night, I think Monday night football, he makes like a game clinching interception, and everyone's going crazy. Like, why was this guy such a bum with us? And now he's, and that's just Belichick does. He finds these guys who are, you know, he, he thinks they can do a certain thing, and uh, he only uses them to do that thing. Uh, Trey Dean time, it might be. Yeah, I, I had to throw it up there as we're talking about safeties. Uh, but I agree. Bill will find a guy, use a guy for like one thing and look like a genius because it works. So it's it's so funny how it happens. Uh, Trey Dean time, it could be. I mean, it's if Tony Adams can't go, Adrian Amos, I mean, you don't want to go in with just him and Ashton Davis, considering Ashton Davis is your special teams guy. So if he's going to, you know, play a ton of defensive snaps, you don't want him getting hurt and compromising special teams as well. So you want to call up a fourth safety. Trey Dean is your guy, and that, that would make – a lot of Jets fans really excited. Um, and I'm not going to, you know, poo-poo on Tony Adams because he's hurt and and everything like that. But mm-hmm. I haven't been totally inspired by everything that he's put on the field watching yeah. the All-22. And I felt like I tweeted out in the first game, this is somebody who could have used some preseason reps. And I understand the coaches were really excited about him, but it's somebody that could have been out there a couple times with the twos even just, you know, when he's out there and the competition is significantly lessened, we want to see, you know, guys like him shine. Sometimes you need that in the, in the uh, off season preseason to give yourself a confidence boost. So Tony Adams was kind of questionable to me and, and makes this safety position really questionable. Uh, last slide, special teams and coaching. If Greg Zerloin can play, which he was limited, I think 
the Jets have the clear advantage, even if they have Siebert and Morstead. I still think that's better than the two rookies, although Bill Belichick will probably kick, you know, five field goals into this typhoon wind and make me look really stupid with uh, their rookie Ryland, the kicker. Um, your thoughts on special teams, if any? Yeah, I'll tell you what. I think, um, you know, it's it's going to keep coming up. If this weather is what they think it's going to be, I don't think anyone's going to have an edge on special teams. If, if 50 mile an hour wins, it's just going to, it's going to be who's got the wind at their back. That's who's going to have the advantage. Yep. Yeah. A hundred percent agree. And special teams has decided this uh, matchup. I think both times last year, one time last year, for sure. Um, but the Jets yeah. need to be better on special teams against the Patriots. And uh, Greg Zerloin, Thomas Moore said that gives me hope. Uh, Austin Sieber, not so much. And then the last slide here, coaching. Uh, this is clearly the Jets' advantage. No, obviously not. <laughs> the Jets don't have any advantage here. When you come off a game to the Dallas Cowboys looking like you did, and now you enter, I'm not going to say the toughest challenge of your season, but the toughest monkey to get off your back of the season, it's not a good look. So the, the Patriots dominate in uh, coaching here. Bill Belichick, Bill O'Brien, finally they have an offensive coordinator. Uh, Gerard Mayo, their DC. I'm not going to put Stephen Belichick's name up here because I respect Gerard Mayo too much as the DC to put him as co DC. And then Cameron Accord, I'm not sure anything about him as a special teams coordinator, but you go up against ours, Salah Hackett, Ulbrich Boyer. Boyer probably gives you the most confidence of the coordinators. And then Salah, who we obviously know he has his in game flaws and certain things that we don't like about him. Uh, any, any problems here? No, no, I agree. I mean, it's 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 an obvious advantage for the Patriots. Yeah, uh, obvious advantage, and I think this is the area where it's going to come down to the the win or the loss. If you get out coached again, and and Bill Belichick is up whatever it is, thirty eight to ten, and they're doing the sideline back and forth with declining penalties on punt team and this and that, and it's not going to look pretty. And I can understand Jets' frustration, Jets fans' frustrations if you come out of that game with anything other than a win. I don't want to say it's a must-win, but when you put everything into context, all the losses, all the bad taste from last week you need to get out of your mouth, this becomes a must-win. So what are your thoughts as far as being a must-win? It's a 1 o'clock kickoff, finally. I know uh, – you won't be watching the game overnight where you stay in the, in the UK, but uh, one o'clock kickoff. We like those. I know. Finally, finally won't have to stay up till 5. AM to watch the game. <laughs> um, I, you know, are you at, in terms of prediction? Is that what we're doing now? Were you ready? To... Yeah. Just predictions or just, just thoughts in general. Like... Yeah. I, listen, the, the weather now is going to be a huge factor. I, I did a pod yesterday where, you know, we did predictions at the end. I said 17, 14 Jets. Mm-hmm. But as the day went on today and the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? I, I just I think the Jets are the better team. Um, but until Zach Wilson does something against Bill Belichick that makes us believe he can beat him, I can't pick the Jets to beat the Patriots because you talk about must win. The Patriots are owing two. I mean, yeah. they're the much bigger must win. And Bill Belichick, this is like sort of territory he doesn't get into when they, they don't lose three in a row with him. But, you know, that, that those are the Brady days, right? So three in a row is possible. So I'll say this. I think um, I think if it I think if the rain is a big enough factor and the Jets have to run it more, I would go with the Jets. 
But if the weather is even just moderate, mild, like and it's and and, and the teams are able to throw the ball, then I would go with the Pats. So let's uh I'm 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 gonna pick the Jets, assuming there's torrential rain. Um, but if there's not, I think the Pats win it. But e- either way, low scoring game, 13 10 type, you know, 14 10 type of game. Yeah, I, I had the same thing. 14 to 13 was my prediction. That's obviously before the typhoon. If there are actual winds and, and rain that are affecting the game, I literally might say like 12 to 6. Because I'm, I'm thinking no, about putting some money on no touchdowns being scored. Well, I was just thinking like, what are the odds of, you know, all the touchdowns being scored and then they just go for two and like they don't get it. So like I was thinking like, 13 or not what's that eight and eight is 16 we'll say 14 14 but they get it with never never do math live never yeah no 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 terrible (laughs) i'd say 14 to six jets but the jets don't kick the extra point this is barring the the weather scenario you know Mm -hmm. before they go two point conversion once and then they go for it again two point conversion and miss it so they still get 14 to the patriots six that's that's my weather prediction but 14 13 is my normal uh, weather prediction um but that makes me nervous because anytime you project the jets to beat the patriots you end up uh with um some sour grapes next week so uh i guess what are your final thoughts just give maybe one matchup for the jets and the patriots game that you're you're looking forward to the most uh well if, if anderson calvin anderson if he's playing tackle for the Pats again i'm assuming he is um whoever's lined up on him you know he was a guy that jumped out at me um, watching that Dolphins game that he just, he had a really hard time. Um, he, he gave up a lot of pressures and, and guys were beating him fairly regularly. And I'm watching that. I'm watching him struggle and I'm thinking, man, if that's Jermaine Johnson or Will McDonald or, you know, hopefully Carl Lawson, you know, hopefully the Lawson's slow start is due to, you know, no preseason reps and all that. And, you know, this is first action. Um, but whoever, whoever the Jets have it, you know, coming off that edge against Anderson, I, I think that that's going to be a key matchup. Yeah, and I'll go with the opposite effect. Whoever is our left tackle needs to be pretty sound against Matt Judon or wherever Matt Judon is playing if he's coming off the left side. Whoever is that left tackle for me, that's going to be the matchup that I'm really keeping an eye on. It doesn't seem like Dwayne Brown's going to go. I know Keith Carter said, you know, they're going to they they feel like he can go and he might go, but it might be Billy Turner if not. So I'll be watching Billy Turner versus Matt Judon. That'll kind of make me sick to my stomach. But if you put Jeremy Ruckert next to Billy Turner and keep him in his hip pocket all game, I would feel a lot more at ease about the situation. So tons of tons of things to look out for in this divisional game. Obviously, the Patriots, they're 0-2. They haven't started 0-3 since Belichick's uh, first season with the team. I think they started 0-4. So it's uncharted territories if the Jets could pull this one off and it's unfortunate to even have to use the words pull this one off because we both feel like the Jets are the better team they have the better players they are more talented the quarterback situation is not great for the Patriots obviously it's better than ours but it's winnable this is one of those games that you look at on the schedule even without Rodgers as winnable and those are the games you got to either stay until the very end or just win and I hope they just win so with that, and let's we'll, let's I, not not to cut you off, Dylan, but let's no, take another minute or two here, um, because yeah. someone you know someone said this to me, and I, you know we were talking about Zach and how you know I'm like, well, you give him till the trade deadline, and then see if you have to make a move. What if, what if the weather is okay? You know, not terrible, not not so bad that it's having an impact on the game, 
and he has another Zach versus the Patriots type of game. Like mm-hmm. they don't score a touchdown again. He throws two or three interceptions and, you know, say it's similar to last year's game where, you know, the weather isn't great, but Mac Jones does fine, completes 65% of his passes, two touchdowns, no picks. Zach completes 46%, no touchdowns, three picks. That, and, and again, don't anyone come at me like I'm a Zach hater. My my <laughs> feelings on him are well documented. I'm just like, that's a whole nother topic. But people need to get over, like, when someone considers a potential negative thing and people are like, oh, my God, how dare you say that? Yeah, because nothing bad ever happens to this team, right? right? Everything is always roses. Like, stuff goes wrong. And w- what are your thoughts? Like, because we, you know, I've talked extensively about how I think Zach's improved. He's doing some things this year that he hasn't done in years past. I think he's definitely a better player. I think it's blatantly obvious. But if he goes out there and Bill Belichick just has his number and it's 120 yards, no touchdowns, three picks, and a loss, what do you what, what, mentally with, with Zach Wilson, where does that put you? Like, oh, he's still just the same guy. Uh, if he has the Patriots version of Zach Wilson, you got to start making phone calls because we all know Tim Boyle's not the guy. College college football legend Tim Boyle is not the guy. So we all understand that part. So if Zach Wilson does go out and throw a New England type of game, yeah, you got to get on the phone. You got to start making phone calls. And teams are already, you know, securing backup options and, and signing depth players. Uh, you mentioned it, Will Will Greer, excuse me, in the in the pre-show. And then mm-hmm. um, Brett Rippon was signed off the practice squad to the active yeah. roster and they felt like the jets were per, uh, poaching around yeah. for the, for a quarterback. So it's going to be one of those scenarios where you can't, you just can't let it get off the rails. And if you get the first three quarters of Dallas, Zach, with a little bit more, you know, time, a couple more plays, um, or you get the, the Tampa Bay Zach or the, the Pittsburgh Zach that everybody loved to talk about last year. If you get those versions of Zach Wilson, I'm cool. You're doing backflips. I'm doing backflips. Yeah, I'm cool till the bye week. If he has a two-touchdown game with no picks against Belichick, that is such a reversal from it. I I don't know if you heard it or saw the tweet I sent out. He's got 22 career interceptions. Almost a third of them are against New England. Seven, Seven of the 22. That's ridiculous. Almost a third of his picks against one team. They own him. 50% completion. It's ridiculous how bad he's been against them. And and he missed two starts ago he only threw 10 passes and he still has a third of his career interceptions against them sickening and he had that nice when they wore the black uniforms against the patriots he had that nice roll out to the right and he hit garrett wilson down the right sideline on i think a double move and everybody just you had that feeling you're like oh zach turned the corner he's dialing it up on the patriots like that's the team that Take that monkey right off your back, Zach. And yeah, uh, yeah. it's going to be a Jekyll or Hyde type of performance. I can see it. It's either going to be really good or it's going to be really bad. So I I think it's going to be one where it's yet another game like this Dallas game, 70% pressure rate and nobody's open. You can't, to me, you can't fairly evaluate the guy. And I think it's going to be the same thing this week. I think they're going to throw it like 12 times. Yeah. And it's going to be run, run, run in, in in the elements. If you have that situation where he's pressured that much and he's your leading rusher because he's scrambling four or five times a game, it's not going to be good. And and that's what I see when I looked at the box score from Dallas. I could I don't even need to watch the game. I could just tell if people are getting home. The Cowboys had I think three or four sacks last year. Zach, 
that's eight or nine sacks oh, God. against him. He's not yeah. scrambling. So you like to see the improvement, but you you don't want to see him 70% pressure rate. So if that's the case again, yeah, you have no you have no shot, kid. Like it's not even your fault. You can't even throw the pass. If you're getting to the back of your five-step drop and you're getting tackled, it, it doesn't matter. And I think that's yep. that's really hard for people to understand. So I'm not st- standing up here, you know, supporting Zach further than the fact that he is the team's quarterback right now. That's about as far as the leash I got for the kid. If he goes out and has the New England game, I'll be the first one on Twitter. I'm over it. Call up uh, Colt McCoy or an- anybody but Joe Flacco. Call up those guys, and-, and we'll see what happens. So with that, I think uh, I think it's a safe area to wrap before we start getting called Zach Wilson truthers in the chat. Um, you can follow Glenn on Twitter at JN radio underscore Glenn. You can follow me at D Terman. You can follow Chris Schubert at, at Chris Schubert underscore. I'm pretty sure he'll be back with us next week. Might have to do some scheduling adjustments with the show to accommodate for him, but that's all good. Uh, you can follow jet nation on all social media platforms at jet nation, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, uh, probably got a MySpace too, if you find it. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Let's go Jets and let's stop the streak.